The obvious way to get the attention of the names you rattled off is by dangling money in front of them. And I don't mean by paying them, but by literally saying, if you say yes, I will unleash a flood of people. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Randolph and welcome to That Will Never Work. On this podcast, I speak with folks who are at every stage of building their own business, whether they're leaping from side hustle to self-employed or are already generating revenue and ready to level up. My goal is to draw out their biggest challenges and then, using a combination of advice, encouragement, and tough love, nudge them just a little closer to realizing their dreams. While I'm known for co-founding Netflix and serving as its first CEO, my career as an entrepreneur spans four decades. Netflix was actually my fifth startup, and since leaving there, I've had the opportunity to work with scores of early-stage companies and mentor aspiring entrepreneurs from all over the world. Along the way, I've picked up hundreds of tips, tricks, and secrets, which I'm eager to share with my listeners. Helping others move their ideas forward has become my life's passion. So if you've been told that will never work as much as I have, you've come to the right place. Together, we'll prove the naysayers wrong. Today, I couldn't have arranged a more dramatic show if I had scripted it. To start, today's guest is calling in while hunkered down in his basement during a tornado watch. And ironically, and as will quickly become obvious once you hear his voice, he's a former TV weatherman. Mark is calling because with his TV days behind him, he's turned to the more predictable life of an insurance adjuster. And he's developed an app to help insurance appraisers streamline the process of helping clients identify their losses and replacing their contents. A promising idea for sure, but Mark can't completely escape his old life, and the approaching storm ends up shortening our call. But not before he and I discuss a way for Mark to put one foot in front of the other to bring his app to market. Tune in for a real-time reminder why we have disaster prep apps to begin with. Well, hey, Mark. It's great to have you. Welcome to That Will Never Work. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to our discussion. What I've kind of learned is the best way to do this is basically to let you kick things off by just taking me a quick uh, journey of who you are and what you're working on. All righty. Well, uh, I am a flood adjuster, an insurance claims adjuster. I'm a freelancer, so when there are big storms out there, I get hired to go out there and help write up the estimates. So a number of years ago, I guess about Four or five years ago, we had a major flood just outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We call it the Great Flood of 2016. I think down here in Louisiana, we get a flood, a great flood every five to 10 years. So that was the latest one. But what I noticed is one of the things that I have to do is not only go in and inspect the home and write up the estimate for the home, but I also have to document or help the insured document all the contents that were lost in their house. So if they've got two, three inches of water or more in their house, they've got hundreds, if not thousands of dollars worth of damaged contents. And the way it's currently being done in the industry and the most popular way to do it is to hand the insured a specially formatted Excel spreadsheet and tell them, hey, go ahead and fill this out with all your damaged items and to also share a folder with them on a file sharing program like Dropbox. Well, for a lot of folks who've just lost everything that they had, this becomes a very cumbersome, trying, emotional thing to go through all of their items one by one and then have to face technology. 
The average homeowner is 50 years old, 54 years old. So I look at everybody on the other side, 54 and up, as the other side of technology or the backside of technology. As I'm sure you know, they didn't grow up with cell phones. They didn't grow up with computer games. They didn't grow up with a laptop, smartphones. So doing things, working with programs that they're not familiar with, especially like a spreadsheet. You mentioned a spreadsheet to somebody, their head goes, you know, explodes. So what I found is a lot of people were leaving a lot of money on the table, money that was rightfully owed to them by the insurance company, but they had to be able to prove that they had the items. So the last two years, I started working on a phone app called Contents Buddy. And what it does is it allows the insured, the policyholder, the person who flooded out or had damage to their house to document all of those damaged items on their cell phone with just a couple of clicks of the button. It's a lot easier to use. There's no file sharing. There's no Excel spreadsheets. Fortunate for me, unfortunately for some of the folks I worked with, about two years ago they flooded, and I used the old Dropbox and spreadsheet method, and it took them 10 days to three weeks or so to put together their contents list. About a year ago, when I had the Contents Buddy phone app and website ready to roll out, I beta tested it on them, and they were all able to finish their contents up in like three to seven days, so a lot faster. And by finishing up faster, that means I can close the claim faster, which means they get paid faster. And of course, since I'm a freelancer, I get paid faster too. So I found that I was on to something with the Contents Buddy phone app. Unfortunately, I got so far into it from a developmental standpoint, I'm not developing it myself. I got so far into it financially that I really couldn't stop. I mean, I could have called it quits, but I would have just left what was a good program that would help a lot of people on the table because I didn't have the finances to finish it up. So I sold off some farm equipment and took that money and finished up the phone app and debuted it. But I realized that I had to come up with other avenues of revenue for it. How could I repurpose this phone app, this contents buddy inventory app to make it work for people? And that's when I started to split off and come up with different ideas on how to use it in different ways. The one idea I have now is when they fill out their contents list on the phone, as the administrator owner of the website, I now have access to all of their contents list. And it's basic list. It's basically sofa, $800, three years old, and maybe a model and serial number or something if it's a TV or a washing machine. And I also have pictures of it. So now I know I have some data. And what I've been trying to do over the last six months or so is figure out a way to use that data and monetize it. And the idea I came up with is a thing called Shopping Buddy, which we're currently getting a patent on right now. And Shopping Buddy will take that list and it'll take those pictures. It'll run them through a special search engine that we're developing. And then it'll go to predetermined online retailers and shop for items of like kind and quality. Then it will turn a list back to the insured. So it makes it a lot easier for them to find items in their price range by having that kind of customized search engine. And it sends them back links to all the items on their list from multiple vendors so they can shop around. The problem I'm having at this point is... How do I get those big online retailers like Wayfair, Best Buy, Bed Bath & Beyond, Furniture & More, Build.com, Ikea, Home Depot, Lowe's? How do I get those guys to open the doors to somebody they've never heard of to work with? Because now I've got, on average, 15,000 customers a year who file a flood contents claim that have about $24,000 a year to spend for a total of, on average, the National Flood Insurance Program pays out 340 some odd million dollars a year on average. 
So I've got qualified customers, at least I think I do. How do I get those guys to open a door to a schmuck like me? Okay, so you want to know what leapt out at me about that? What? Sold off some farm equipment? Yeah, I had a tractor. Backhoe? Uh, it was a John Deere with a front-end loader and a, and a box blade. I mean, we can get into details here if you're into that. But you do what you got to do. Oh, no, I totally get it. It's just all these things lead into interesting directions. Another thing for people who are listening right now, which you may have picked up, is that Mark does have this quintessential TV and radio voice, and it's because for many years he was a weatherman. And he'll let me know right before we began taping that he may have to drop off the call because there's a tornado warning might come through. And I immediately thought, oh my gosh, he has to don his cape and rush back to the studio and coach people through. But I think, no, it was more like he had to flee to his own uh, storm shelter. But right. we're going to take this call and every minute's going to count, right? Good. And I'm not a weatherman anymore. I'm not a weatherman anymore. Let's talk about content buddy and shopping buddy and the relationship between the two. So one piece that you glossed over is did content buddy ever get commercialized? Did you begin using it? Did customers begin using it? Did it become a means for people to actually submit their claims using the content buddy? Yes. I've had a couple of beta testers last storm season. For us, generally speaking, this program was designed around flood victims as opposed to people who had some hail damage to their houses. Unlike Texas, the last couple of days that have got pounded by big giant butterball turkey sized hail. This is mostly designed for people who work flood and for people whose homes have flooded. A few people have taken the one that you kind of have put together and tried it, but it hasn't been rolled out by any other adjusters. Right. No, actually, I've had a couple of adjusters use it in the field. Nobody has paid for it yet. I kind of looked at it as a glorified beta testing last year. Last storm season, you know, hurricane season, while it was very, very big and we had a record number of storms, we didn't have a lot of flooding. So I didn't okay. get the full test that I wanted to, but I'm fully geared up and have a lot of excitement from different companies that want to use it this year. So I think this year will be my good year or a good starting year. And the reason I ask is that you're already layering on the monetization component before you actually have the traction with the underlying product. And that's right. a little unusual. And it, was there a reason for that? You know, I'm sitting here looking at this data last year, a year before, and I'm like, how could I use this data? Once I realized what the market could bear for the product, it would take me forever to recoup my investment, to pay for the programmers and everything that I have in there. So I was looking for different ways, and I'm like, one of the most difficult things for me as an adjuster is when people send a contents list in, if it's a questionable price, I have to search the internet and look for items of what we call like, kind, and quality or LKQ. So I was spending a lot of time doing that. Then I realized if I'm going ahead and shopping for these people, why couldn't I develop a special search ad that would not only help me do my job and find comparable items, but they could also use it to shop. So it's like an all-in-one development. It, it works for me as an adjuster to approve the prices of what they're claiming, and it works for the insured for them to do some shopping for it. Okay, so let's try and address your specific question, and I'm going to do it my usual way, which is not address it directly. Okay. Uh, but I'll promise I will get back to it, and I do have quite a bit of experience trying to convince very large, established, conservative companies to do business with totally young, unproven ones, and I, I'll tell that story in a moment, too. 
But I will answer it extremely quickly in the obvious way to get the attention of the Lowe's and the Ikea's and all the other names you rattled off is by dangling money in front of them. And I don't mean by paying them, but by literally saying, if you say yes, I will unleash a flood of people. But right now, there is no flood of people for you to unleash. All there is, is the promise of a flood of people. And that's a very, very different thing. I don't even know if it's a promise as much as it's potential. Oh, that's even weaker then. So yeah. not only is it the promise, it's the maybe. So I will, like I promise, come back at the end and talk about some ways to do that because occasionally you're in that position. But the path of much less resistance is to have a flood of people. And there's a couple of gaps that you've got to jump over to get there. The first one is you have to demonstrate that a lot of people are going to use this app to settle claims. And we're talking about trying to convince someone else. So the first hurdle is, no, if you were able to say, no, I have 7,000 adjusters throughout the country who are currently using this and they're processing each one claim a week. And here's the volume that's currently being processed using this app. That takes away all the questions about, is this a legitimate source of content? You believe it. And you have a few people who have tried it in the field, your beta testers, who believe it. But I think that it wouldn't hurt you to do it. It certainly is not going to cost you a lot more to get to that point, because to get to the next one, to get to the monetization piece, you have to do that anyway. That would be one way to convince them and say, I don't yet have the monetization piece. Okay. Once you were able to say, look, I have people using this. I've worked out the bugs. All kinds of people are now using this to capture data about what they've lost with make, model, serial number. Look how powerful that is. I think it's fairly, I'm going to use the word trivial, so pardon me, to basically plug it into a single e-commerce vendor, which would solve the problem of quickly automating your ability to understand what the price points are, what the values are, but also it would then create real revenue flow, which you could then demonstrate to other people. And of course, the obvious answer to this is Amazon. Amazon already has a program. In fact, you do not need to go bang on their door and say, please let me send people to buy things from you. They have a very well-established program of links for cash. They have a system where it's largely automated, your ability to set those things up. You could set this up with Amazon pretty quickly. And Amazon sells essentially everything that's in somebody's house. Can I get high volume of people using this app to begin recording all the items in their home they've lost? That's jump one. Now, jump two is and I've demonstrated that when I make this easy, they'll then begin clicking on these links to buy the items. And that will create some small flow to you, but it will allow you to walk into a Lowe's, a whoever, Ikea, and have some real numbers to whet their appetite with. So again, I promise I'll get back to the one, but I am listening to this and saying, I think you're way ahead of yourself, that you're worried about monetizing something which is not ready to get monetized yet. What will happen is you will go to all this effort. You'll spend months, if not quarters, convincing a big retailer to work with you. You'll negotiate the terms. You'll work with their API and then no one will show up. And that's a tragic thing. Whereas you have to start, my opinion, at the customer end. What you're doing is, I think, an extremely interesting idea, which is one of the reasons I was so keen to talk to you. And 
a lot of people, and I've believe me, I've heard a lot of these, have the idea of, wouldn't it be cool if I could walk up with my phone, take a picture of something, and then instantly find out where to buy it and how much it costs? And lo and behold, those services do exist. And if you were playing in that game, we'd have a very different message. What you've done, which is so clever, is said, I have an entree that allows me to connect with people who are almost immediately going to want to spend $20,000 on something. And I've done that because I'm building a very specialized tool and I have this huge crew of people who to make their jobs easier will introduce me to those people. That is a very, very powerful thing. And I would strongly encourage you to exploit that. I would really begin demonstrating there is traction here that you have built this tool, which is so compelling for claims adjusters that they beat a path to your door to use it. And it becomes so compellingly easy and powerful for the people who have been impacted by a disaster that they rush to do it. Because if you solve those two, I guarantee the monetizing it Putting yourself into the flow of those transactions is trivial. Seriously, especially if you do it by saying, at the very beginning, I'm adding in this little feature, which basically automatically ties me into Amazon. And it does it not because I care about you buying through Amazon, although secretly it'll be fantastic, but because it makes the adjuster's job easier because automatically I don't need to sit there and go through and like you said, do all the research. Amazon does it. And basically you say, you of course can go in for yourself, but I think I can probably convince most insurance companies to accept the Amazon price as being legitimate replacement value or the new value, which I can then discount accordingly. However you do those sort of things. So in other words, I'm steering you away from answering your original question, which is saying, I would be all in on figuring out how to take that step of getting real people to use this. And it's fine if it's still beta, but see if you can really get some volume going. See if you can build this thing in. But anyway, I promised you that I would tell you about ways to convince people to work with you when you don't have any of those things, when you have to play that game of saying, imagine if you will, rather than my God, I'm drowning in orders and I'm giving them all to Amazon, but short of that. So I'll shut up in a minute and we can go down paths that you may want to go down other than this one. But the analog for me is that when we launched Netflix in 1998, it was a DVD by mail business. I don't know whether you actually remember that piece of it. And we were launching it at this crazy time when there weren't very many DVD players out there. And so we had this chicken and egg problem of how do we sell to DVD owners when there aren't any? And I realized that the only way to do this was to actually reach people right at the very moment that they had bought a DVD player, when they were the most excited. Similarly to your way of you figured out a way to reach people right at the very moment they need to buy stuff. And I had to go to the Sonys and the Panasonics and the Sharps and the Toshibas and convince them to put a coupon in their box. But the answer is you have to make sure you understand exactly what their motivation is and really understanding what's in it for them and what would then incent you to want to have them spend the time and take this risk. And Mark, are you okay over there? <laughs> okay. I thought a tornado might have struck. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Well, that was interesting. So mid-conversation, it came true that... <laughs> A tornado did approach. Mark lost his internet and he is now hunkered down in some undisclosed location. So I certainly wish him the best and I'll report back that he did okay once I find that out. But, you know, 
I think we actually uh, covered a lot here. Mark did want me to go into how to convince people to take a bet on you, but the best way to do that is to avoid having to. And certainly the best way to convince large retailers, to convince conservative organizations to bet on your unfounded startup is to already be delivering the very thing that you can promise you'll deliver. Which is why I was recommending to Mark that he go back to the beginning, that he go back and focus on ensuring he has an app which is so compelling that insurance adjusters want to take it into the field, that it's so compelling that their customers will use it to log all of their losses. And the thing he will have to watch out for is, is it a one and done thing? And initially, when I heard about what Mark's idea was, I was concerned about that. This would be something that someone who had a disaster used once and never used again. But what got me excited was to realize it's not really an end user tool. It's a tool for the insurance adjuster. And this is a problem that they face every single day. And when you can find a product which someone has a real need for, where using your product will save them time and money, where using your product could potentially in the future create a tremendous stream of revenue for you, well, then you may have stumbled onto a winner. Well, we'll check back with Mark later. Make sure he got through this okay. And certainly found out how he did with Contents Buddy and the soon-to-be-announced Shopping Buddy. That's all for today, but I wanted to mention that Mark is safe and sound in the wake of that storm and is continuing his work on Contents Buddy. I look forward to hearing about his progress in the next several months, and I wish him the best. In the meantime, if you want to be a guest on That Will Never Work, I've made it really easy. Just go to markrandolph.com forward slash guest. Fill out the form and leave a voice message right there on the site. While you're there, sign up to get my weekly entrepreneurial advice delivered right to your inbox. Or connect with me on Twitter at mbrandolph or on Instagram at thatwillneverwork. Or my newest attempt at denying my age on TikTok, where I promise you won't ever find me dancing without a shirt on. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to smash that like button and leave me a review at Apple Podcasts. I'll see you next time. Audiation.